Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Praise God. Amen. And Brother Ryan, if you can cut them track lights down for me, please. Thank you so much. We got room for that thing, you know. Hallelujah. All right. We're going to uh, talk about a very deep subject tonight the rapture. Amen. And before, we're, we're going to read a couple of scriptures here, but, you know, I think we, we need to really understand the impact. First of all, how many of you actually, honestly believe that the church is going to be caught away in the clouds to meet the Lord? Amen. I mean, if you don't believe that, ooh, you got a you got a real challenge ahead of you. But by the same token, I think that you know we sometimes overlook the idea that you know once the church is caught away, then that ends the day of grace. That ends the church age. And the real challenge there is that until Jesus literally comes back, the millennia doesn't start until he literally returns. So there is a seven-year period there that is uh, filled with a whole lot of stuff going on. And if you're not in the rapture, if you're not at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and where are you? And so, you know, the rapture, we, we look forward to it, but at the same time, we need to, that, I think that's one of the, the, the uh, areas that compels us to be more prayerful. Because as that day approaches, we need to understand that that means that the gospel per se, as we know it today, there's a whole lot of people out there that still need to hear the good news. Amen. So we're going to call your attention to a couple of places of Scripture here. Genesis 5.24 <laughs> And uh, Enoch walked with God, and he was not where God took him. How many of you believe that Enoch is a type, actually the first, the first type of the rapture? I mean, okay, and then, uh, so Enoch, and then we have another gentleman by the name of Elijah. How many of you love the story of Elijah? Amen. He is he is the man. Second Kings chapter number two and verses nine through eleven, and it was so 
When they had crossed over that, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? Elijah said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. What a prayer request, right? Verse number 10, So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. So, so Elijah, the deal was made. Elijah says, you gotta, you got to see me when I go. If you don't see me, you don't get a double portion. If you see me, okay, and then verse number 11. Then it happened. As they continued on and talked, that suddenly, okay, suddenly, chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. Literally, oh, separated them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Now, there's no if in buts or doubts about Enoch, you know, is kind of a mystery there, right? Just as he walked with God, God took him. But Elijah, he was on display for a whole bunch of people to see his exit that day. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But... Uh, of all the miracles in the Bible, there's none, in my opinion, that compares with the rapture of the church. You gotta, you gotta imagine, you gotta get your mind around really what is gonna take place. The visit from Jesus, the God man, to this point in history is the greatest story ever told. But we can't forget the closing chapter of the church will be the most powerful show of God's power and glory in human history. Think about that. There are two Bible characters that are an example of this great truth, Enoch and Elijah. But now in addition to these... Just real quick. Matthew 27, 50, 53 records the story of some of the saints coming out of their graves after Jesus was resurrected and appearing to many in Jerusalem. How many of you read that? You read your Bible? Matthew 20. So in other words, the Lord resurrects from the dead and just for kind of a, uh, an initial preview of what's going on, the Bible says that many of the saints came out of their graves and walked around in the city of Jerusalem. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, we don't know what happened to them after that. If I'm one of them that comes out of the grave, right? I'm like saying that, hey, I ain't going back. So, amen. So they, they literally, they, they appeared. I mean, what are you going to do when you start seeing 
people walk around that have been dead for a few years. You're going to say, oh no, you're not really... No! Uncle Zeke, that's not you! I mean, how are you going to deny something like that? You understand? Is it God was openly displaying something that was going to come in the future that was going to involve literally millions of people. Then there's Moses joining Elijah on the Mount Transfiguration. By the way, Moses has been dead for 1,400 years. There he is. How did he get there? Brother Grant, you recently graduated from Bible college. You probably have the answer. You won't. Right? I mean, he's been dead for 1,400 years. And there he is with our buddy Elijah. We know Elijah didn't die. Now, I don't know, maybe Elijah sent his chariot. I don't know, but there you are. There's Moses. There's Elijah again. Second Corinthians 12 and 2, Paul tells us of an experience he had. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, he says, I don't even know. He says, I cannot tell. He says, I was caught up to the third heaven and heard words too sacred to tell. You have Philip in Acts 8.39, after he went, and joined himself to the eunuch in Gaza Desert. The Bible says that after he baptized that Ethiopian eunuch, that the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him anymore. When on his way, Philip found himself at Azotus. Do you really believe that? The the Word of God and God's plan is so beyond the earthly thoughts of men that we look at it sometimes and we think, well, that's just, that's crazy. And I don't know, you know, Philip, after he baptized, I don't know. But it says that the Spirit of the Lord caught him away. And then you have the testimony of John in Revelation, the first chapter. He tells us he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and saw one like unto the Son of Man. John knew him, right? John had spent some time with him. Got about as close as you could ever get to the God-man. Heard his heart beat. He saw him and he said, whoa, I recognize him. He says, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet dead. Why? Well, because John was in a place where, you know, apparently you don't travel to by foot or whatever. And he writes to us the, the, uh, the book of Revelation. Then we have the words of Jesus in John 14, 1 through 3. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. 
He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Thank you, Sister Reyes, for an excellent lesson a few weeks ago on that. He says, if it were not so, I would have told you. He's going to prepare a place for His bride that He has engaged already on earth, you and me, when we took on His name already. We're engaged. He says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. He says, and if I go, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Acts 1 and 9. And when Jesus had spoken these things while they beheld, He was taken up. A cloud received Him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as He went up, two men stood by them in white apparel, angels, which said to the men of Galilee, Why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen Him go into heaven. He coming again. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes concerning the resurrection. He says that Jesus showed Himself alive for a period of 40 days after His resurrection to Peter, to the twelve, then 500 at the same time, then James, and finally to Paul Himself. He goes on to say how meaningless our faith is without the resurrection and the promise of the rapture of the church. He says in verse 14, he says, because if Christ be not risen, then there is no resurrection of the dead, then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain. The word vain comes from the Greek word kinos, meaning empty, hollow, without the resurrection. The good news is no news at all. Right. Without the promise that He is coming again, and that we, whether we're in the grave or we are alive, without that promise of one day ascending, into the place that He is building for us and living in a world without sin, without death, without sickness, without pain, without tears, then really, Paul says, then our labor on earth is in vain and we of, of all men are most miserable. Because why? Paul says, well, because you're preaching something that is not true if the resurrection isn't a reality. And that's why we have witnesses in the Bible, even in the Old Testament, that are an example for us with the assurance to build our faith that this isn't something that God that, that God just all of a sudden planned it in the New Testament. No, this is something that he has been working on even thousand years before he visited the earth. 
And so, Paul said in verse number 51, he said, listen, I'll tell you a secret. We shall not all sleep. Remember, Paul was caught up into the third heaven. He said, I heard sacred things which, I, which really we're not even supposed to hear. He says, I'll tell you a secret. We shall not all sleep. We shall be changed. In a moment, suddenly, that chariot of fire came. He says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised, and we shall be changed. He writes again in 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, he says, we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, if you're an unbeliever out in the world, that has got to be the most ridiculous thing that you could ever that you could ever preach. You ever talk to some an unbeliever about the rapture of the church and try to explain to them that you believe that? And they look at you and they say, Whoa, that's just too weird for me. You mean you're going to possibly be walking down the road one day and you're going to hear this sound and you're going to like ascend into the clouds. Well, yep. That's what I believe. That's what I absolutely 100% believe in. I believe that where if those that are dead in Christ, when that trumpet sounds, they're going to come out of those graves, and we which are alive are going to be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord and forever be with Him. Now, I have no idea how the world explains that away when it happens. Any ideas? What is it? Alien. Well, that's probably uh, as good as any, I suppose. But uh, so let's look at Enoch for a minute. Now, Bible says Enoch walked with God. What that means is different translation says this that he walked faithfully. He had close fellowship. He spent his life in close fellowship. He spent his life in reverent fear and obedience. He was well-pleasing, and he made it a habit of walking with God. Okay? Now, Jude 14 and 15 tells us a little bit more. He says... And Jude, after he speaks of the fallen angels and of Sodom and Gomorrah, it was of these men that Enoch, the seventh descendant from Adam, 
prophesied when he said. And so Jude is telling us that during this time, he speaks of the fallen angels, he speaks of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he says, it was Enoch that prophesied when he said, he was preaching to his world, he said, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly, among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So Enoch, Jude says, you see, Enoch preached to the people of his day. He preached to them that there was going to come a day when God was going to bring men under an accountability for their lives. And it preached that message. But what it there, there's a great study though. Look at let's look at in Genesis fifth chapter, okay, Genesis five tells us Jared is Enoch's father. Now listen to this. He was 162 when Enoch was born. He lived another 800 years after Enoch was born. So Enoch's dad lived another 435 years after his son was raptured. The word Jared means to go downward, to descend, or to fall. In other words, when Jared's father, when Enoch was born, mankind was on a downward spiral. And Enoch's father lived another 400 years after his son was raptured. I know. Can't get your brain around it. Jared's dad, or Enoch's grandpa, was Mahal. He was 227 when Enoch was born, which puts him at 592 when Enoch was taken. Mahal lived to be 895, which means Enoch's grandpa lived another 303 years after his grandson was raptured by God. Get this. Adam died when Enoch was eight. See, we read that and I mean, it's hard to put these numbers together. But in other words, when Enoch was raptured, his grandfather was alive, and his dad was alive, and when he took off that day, I guarantee you that something was going on in the community. But now wait. 
Enoch had a son. Guess what his name was? Come on. Who? Say it. Somebody said it loud. Methuselah. Enoch had a son named Methuselah. What's so good about him? He was the oldest guy that ever lived at 969. What else was special about Methuselah? He died in the year of the flood. So Enoch's son Methuselah was 300 years old when his father Enoch was raptured. Enoch's son Methuselah, Enoch's father Jared, Enoch's grandfather Mahal are all alive and witness the rapture of Enoch. Methuselah, he goes, yeah. he goes, hey, hey, Grandpa! Something just happened. You know, we were like hiking, and Dad just like, boom, he's gone. So Enoch's son was alive. Enoch's dad was alive and Enoch's granddaddy was alive when God took Enoch home. And they all lived several hundred years after that. Now, most commentaries you read, the name Methuselah means what? Judgment comes when you die. So, most commentaries that you read, most studies that you read, they say Enoch received a word of prophecy. He received a word from God. You know, he had this thing with God, okay? He received a word and said, Enoch, you need to understand and let your son Methuselah know that there is something that is coming. And Enoch, more than likely, he not only told Methuselah, but Enoch told his dad what God had whispered in his ear. And Methuselah had who? And Lenach had who? Yeah. 
And Methuselah's name is little uncertain, but most agree Methuselah's name is connected with when he dies judgment. It has been suggested Methuselah was born. Enoch received a prophecy from God concerning the coming judgment. Jude writes that Enoch preached to those people that you need to understand God gave me a word when my son was born and you need to understand that there is something that is going to happen. And so, Methuselah is 369 when Noah is born. Noah walks in the house one day when he is about 500 His dad, Lamech, is still alive. And he says, Dad, God spoke to me today. What did you say, son? He says, I'm supposed to begin to build the ark. He runs next door to his grandpa's house, Methuselah. Methuselah has already been prophesied over. Noah runs to Grandpa's house. He says, hey, Grandpa, God spoke to me that I'm supposed to start to begin to build the ark. Oh, boy. Methuselah says, uh-oh. I know what that means, Noah. Hello? Methuselah says, I know what that means. Because my daddy, Enoch, he prophesied. And so, now get this. Noah's father, Lamech, is alive for approximately 90 years during the time that Noah built the ark. So in other words, Noah comes home one day and says, Hey, Dad, got to start building this thing. Grandpa, Methuselah, we got to start building this thing. Noah's father is around 90 of the 100 years watching Noah build the ark. Oh, that's nothing. Methuselah, more than likely, watches for a hundred years as his grandson is building the ark, and more than likely, he sees the ark a completed, completed, built ark, and then he goes to his grave. I mean, you really got to add those years up and look in that chapter number five, come on. But it's for real. Noah's granddaddy was there. Noah's daddy was there during most of the building. 
I wonder if Methuselah, I wonder if Granddad kind of gave him a little, you know, gave him a little push once in a while and said, No, Noah, keep on. I'm telling you that your father who, your, uh, my father who was raptured, he told me that this was going to come. He preached about it. And I, I believe that Methuselah kind of, you know, was walking around and saying, hey, that's my grandson building the ark. Trying to save the world. Building it big enough to save whoever wants to get on it. that Noah's dad and grandpa would probably, you know, they were having lunch with, with Noah and say, 10 years he's built, 20 years he's built, 30 years he's built, 40 years, these guys are getting up there in age, you know. Both his dad and his grandpa So Enoch definitely has a big place in the history of that pre-flood world that God looked at and He said, this place is not looking good right now. And then you got Elijah. 2 Kings 2nd chapter. The Bible says that the prophets of Bethel knew they came out and they said, Elisha, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master today? Elisha says, yeah. Then they go to, where do they go? They go to, uh, they go to Jericho. And the same thing. The Bible says that the sons of the prophets, they're standing afar off and watching. They're trying to get a front row seat because they feel, they know that something is about to happen. And Elijah, we know the story, Elijah says, Elijah, you can just, you know, hang out here. Elijah says, it ain't happening. He says, it ain't going to happen. I believe that the world knows that something is about to take place that they cannot explain. They have no, they are scratching their heads, wondering how in the world society got to a place like it is today. And I believe that they are, they, they know, they feel like something is about to happen, but they don't know or they refuse to believe something so powerful in the resurrection. And Elijah is taken up, and they, in verse number 16, they send out 50 men, 50 men, sons of the prophets. They said, well, 
Let us go look for him because maybe the Lord carried him to a high mountain. And the Bible says they went and looked for him for three days. They couldn't find him. Yeah, they couldn't find him, all right. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 and 2, he says, But of the times and seasons, you have no need for me to write to you. For you know the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. He says, When the world preaches peace and safety. Another writer says, The hour you think not. 1 Corinthians 15, 40, 41, Paul uses the analogy of the difference in the celestial bodies. He says the sun has a light, the moon has a light, the earth has a light, the stars have the light. He says, but no two stars shine alike. He goes on to say, he says, our resurrected bodies will have our own distinct glory. No two will be alike. Sister Reyes, you're gonna. No two are gonna be like. Listen, Enoch got so close to God that God took him. What was it about Elijah that God said, Elijah, you, I'm, you, I'm gonna take you out of here so that you can be a solid witness to those that are going to read about this 3,000, 4,000 years later, and they are going to, every once in a while, they're going to have to read again and believe again because they're 2,000 years removed from my resurrection. You're going to have to remind them that this thing is real that there is a rapture of the church that is coming, but by the same token, that the ark, the church is being built. And when the church has finished its course, and you can read in between, Amen. As you stand, Anybody ever had a dream of the rapture? Brother Grant? What was it? Tell us about it. Well, I was a little kid, and uh, the rapture happened. I was probably like nine, and I was inside. I remember I, I woke up, and I said, Mom, what happens when you're outside and you get to, and the rapture happens? She's like, you make it to heaven. And I was like, well, if you're inside, do you hit your head on the ceiling? Because that's what happened to, in, to me in my dream. <laughs> there you go. I was like nine or eight. I was, I was a little kid. But I was thinking about it. So I dreamed about it. So. Anyone else? Sister Alicia. When I was young as well, I thought if no. I was sleeping on my mom's uh, on her lap, and the rapture happened, and she went, and my head hit the the chair, so I wanted to be baptized. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, it's fear God. That's what it is. Here you go. Well, I had, uh, I had another. I had somebody tell me about a dream of another young person recently that they had. 
and I they were kind enough to share it and I here's what here's what their dream was another young person by the way said there were trumpets playing from somewhere it was a sunny day with no clouds in the sky a bunch of friends were playing in the backyard when suddenly around noon Everyone began to look at the sun because it began to develop huge cracks that you could see. After a short time, the sun exploded and everyone on the ground blacked out. Once people woke up, there was written in the sky, in the clouds, OCT rapture. Telling you. You know, I don't. I mean, what is what 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 is left? What is left that happened before the rapture could take place? Any great theologians out there that have a thought? What has to happen? Bible says words gotta be preached in all nations. Know that? I don't believe that that is a thing. The thing is, is, is that that parable of the ten virgins. I, Jesus said, "The hour you think not." He says, "It's going to come like a thief in the night." Okay. Yeah, there's going to be a, a great revival, greater than anything that they've talked about in Acts. And yeah, that happens, you know, abroad and everything, but we believe here believe in America as well. believe that. I believe that that really is going to be the key to the second coming. Is because just like Elijah, when he was before he was caught up, he had he had Elijah following him. Elijah was hungry. He said, Elijah, we gotta have what you put a double portion of your spirit. We gotta have. I believe that the church will experience such momentous miracles and revival. I don't know. Power. What it all, how it all comes into line, but I'm convinced that the rapture of the church is one of the the big things right now that the church is in waiting for. I believe with all my heart. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I am ready. I want to remain ready. I want to keep looking up. I want to walk with God. I want to keep drawing closer to Him. I want to keep preaching the good news while the good news is available. The good news. Amen. Praise God. Would you lift your hearts one more time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight, God. We thank you for the great hope, Lord, that you have given us, God. We thank You, Lord, for the testimonies that are in Your Word, Lord. 
We believe them, God. We believe every one of those, God. And we're looking, Lord, for the soonness of Your coming. And while we occupy till You do come, God, we pray that You would pour out a double portion of Your Spirit, Lord, upon all, God, of all of those that are looking and that are hungry and that are thirsty, Lord. Hallelujah. Touch all of our young people, God. Amen. Those that have not been baptized, God, we pray that You would draw them to the waters of baptism. Those that have not been filled with the Holy Ghost, we pray that You would fill them with the Holy Ghost, God. Hallelujah. We'll make sure that we give You all of the glory. Every time we meet, Lord, we will praise You as if today is the last day, God, on earth. Hallelujah. We praise You and we love You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you tonight. Amen.